Hi everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone and welcome to Pixels. Pixels, I don't know why it's so hard to say, Pixels. Uh, this is a show where we try to cover the news on the in the gaming industry from the past couple of weeks or so. Um, and we try to give it a little bit of uh, analyzing, a little bit of thought and a little bit of fun as well. Um, my guest today is the lovely Tim Stevens from CNET. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing very well. Even better now that you've called me lovely. Thank you. Oh, you were taken aback by that, aren't you? <laughs> I, you know, it's it's the French thing. We're all very distinguished and call people lovely. <laughs> I, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, it's go- going well. Uh, I'm actually just getting back from a, a week away from work, so I'm, I'm all uh, revved up and ready to roll and talk about some gaming news. Excellent. Let's just do that because we have a, a couple of pre- pretty momentous events that happened last week. Um, yeah. The first one is Nintendo's announcements about the fact they're going to be going uh, mobile, and we're going to get into all of this in a second. Uh, the second one is... What the heck is happening between Konami and Hideo Kojima? <laughs> that was weird. It was just bizarre. Uh, we'll get into that as well after we, we're done talking about the, the main topic of, I would say, possibly, you know, the quarter and maybe even more. Um, mm-hmm. Nintendo is going to be getting into mobile gaming. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's something that we've been... Uh... Uh, more or less waiting t- for them to happen. They've always said that they weren't interested in doing it, that they didn't want to. And they've kind of stuck to their guns in a way and that they're not actually getting into mobile gaming themselves. They're working with this third-party company, DNA, uh, who runs um, a very, very, very popular gaming network with a lot of popular games both in Japan and internationally. So they're, they're not really going to be doing mobile game development themselves, but they're definitely you know getting their toe in the water. They're getting ready to roll. Yeah, it's so yeah, there there are a couple of things I guess. First of all, we did discuss this on this show, I guess everyone's discussed it at some point, but a lot of people and investors were saying Nintendo has to go on mobile. And I think right. a lot of what they meant was the the core gaming market or at least the dedicated uh hardware is not a worthwhile business anymore. Microsoft and Sony have it locked up. Nintendo is losing steam on the 3DS front and never really had steam uh, on the Wii U front to begin with. So just ditch all of this and go make games on other platforms and on mobile. And I think they've made it pretty clear that that is not what they're doing. Um, Right. They, they said basically that they're not interested in basically moving any of their classic franchises over to the mobile industry. So we won't see, you know, any, any of these great WiiWare games or anything well, like that ported over to the games, at least not yet. It's just But the, the, t- yeah, the titles, the, the individual characters and that kind of thing will be appearing in mobile games, but not, you know, you won't see Super Mario Brothers on the iPhone. Exactly. Not yeah. yet. That's, I mean, there are a couple of takeaways. Uh, basically, they're, they, the, the, the IPs are going, to, nothing is... Uh, uh, off the table. Any IP is uh, possibly going to end up 
on smartphones. But they did state very clearly something that was sending shivers down the spines of every gamer in the world, which is <laughs> they're not going to make uh, 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 ports of existing games on mobile. Because as we all know, um, those things don't work out because you just don't have the right input method. Um, so right, they're not going to be... Other yeah, yeah. So that's and and he also said all IPs are fair game, but he po specifically pointed out the fact that journalists should not write headlines saying Mario on a smartphone. Mario is coming on a smartphone uh, because that would be misleading because they don't know what they're going to be doing yet. So I think, of course, I'm going to be using this for the title of the episode and I'm going to call it Mario on a smartphone. Um, Mario on a smartphone, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would have to imagine that there's got to be a Pokemon game within the first couple oh, if not yeah. then you, you got to wonder what they're thinking of because you know that the pokemon franchise is absolutely serious it's not very heavily focused on physical controls uh it's very much involved with the sort of collecting and and gameplay that tends to work very well on a mobile phone and the sort of gameplay that, that dna has done quite well well in their other franchises uh blood brothers and things like that they have similar mechanics so you can definitely envision a pokemon sort of title coming along but you could also envision other games like the, the Metroid pinball games and things like that, you know, you could see that sort of thing uh, doing well on a mobile device. So I'm very curious to see how this works out. I'm curious to see, you know, is it just going to be Mario popping up in existing franchises as we started to see uh, conversations about, or are we talking about entirely new franchises focused on Nintendo characters? Uh, I'm 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 curious. I'm I'm skeptical. I'm a little bit nervous about this whole thing. You know, I think like a lot of people, I'm a little bit worried about, uh, you know, Nintendo embracing the freemium model. I think uh, yeah. I really have appreciated that Nintendo has been doing very well. You know, when you see games like Smash Brothers, when they've got a million characters in there already, and in, you know, you don't have to worry about paying a dollar each or anything like that. A little bit nervous about them taking cues from the smartphone industry, but you know, I think this is a pretty safe way for them to. To cash in on that uh, momentum and that trend a little bit without exactly selling their soul, uh, not yet. Yeah, they they did mention. Well, they did say they were going to develop uh, some of the games. So I'm kind of hopeful it's not going to be limited to just puzzle games. And basically, I'm hoping that even though they're being forced by the market and by reality to go to look for another. Uh, outlet for their creativity in order to make money. Um, I'm hoping that what's going to happen is that they are going to lift up the mobile gaming market experience as a whole because they are not going to limit themselves to puzzle games and, uh, you know, endless runners and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, because they, uh, th they did point out that a lot of the games that were successful on the uh, mobile market were one-hit wonders. And that's very true. You know, if you think of Angry Birds, uh, Candy Crush Saga, uh, yeah. uh, Clash of Clans, and all of these games are, they're not badly designed per se, but the, the, the developer and the publisher got basically one giant hit. And mm -hmm. even themselves, I don't think really understand why the game was successful. Um, it's not that it's the kind of game that you you hold up as a, a paragon of game design that was so clever mm -hmm. and so well done that people obviously flocked to it. There are a lot of games that that get uh, uh, the similar uh, designs and similar game mechanics, but that just don't make it, and nobody knows why. I mean, I think. Um, 
uh, Rovio, developer of Angry Birds, just announced uh, that their profits uh, fell 73% last year. And they've tried a few new games and it didn't do anything. Um, so I'm hoping Nintendo are actually starts developing, quote-unquote, real games on uh, mobile. And they certainly have an opportunity there to create engaging experiences and making things better than what's been happening on mobile. I mean, I love Hearthstone to death, as, as everyone knows, um, but it's it's an exception, and it's not a mobile-only game. It fits the uh, tablets very well, but mm-hmm. it's not a mobile. It, it, that's not the kind of game you're thinking about when you're thinking about mobile. Um, and the other thing that is intriguing, I guess there are a couple of things, uh, it's that they did announce their, you know, new platform that they're developing, which people knew about uh, through rumors and such, Mm -hmm. the NX. Um, And we know that it might have something to do about the hybrid system between portable and home machine. They also announced that one of the key reasons why they were partnering with uh, DNA um, was, first of all, being able to get to market really quickly. I think they recognize they don't have the expertise and the know-how uh, on those platforms, and they need someone that does in order to help them out. Um, and DNA, although they're not the biggest, uh, 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 you know, actor in that field in Japan, I think they have about 30 million subscribers, which is huge to their their mobile service. They have a mobile, like a mobile network kind of service, and Nintendo is going to do uh, create a subscription service that's going to work cross-platform on smart devices and on consoles, on existing consoles, on future consoles, and on PC. And it's kind of what the... I'm not sure what that is going to be. Um, they stayed kind yeah, of... Yeah, that, that was fuzzy. interesting that they they kind of threw that in there. They didn't really say too much about it. Um, you know, they are, of course, killing off Club Nintendo right now, which has a lot of people, myself included, a bit, uh, a bit sad. But... Um, I'm wondering, is this going to be taking a cue from PSN Plus and, and Xbox Live Gold, or is it going to be something something very different? Because those services don't really have any tie to to mobile gaming at all. You know, they're very much console focused, and they've been very successful, but they haven't exactly brought anything into the world of, of the smartphone. Uh, so, can Nintendo really bring those two worlds together and create a, a real homogeneous service? You know, they've definitely been been the one company that's lagging behind when it comes to online technology and online services by and large. Uh, if they Oof, could come up with one a, service that, that works really well euphemism. across, yeah, that's being all too kind perhaps. Uh, but if they could come up with one service that really brings their mobile gaming side of things together with their console gaming, that could be an interesting uh, step forward compared to Microsoft and Sony. You know, I think if you give me a PS Plus or Xbox Live Gold uh, type subscription from Nintendo that spans mm-hmm. uh, all platforms, it could conceivably even be, uh, you know, you could have some of the simple smartphone games available on multiple platforms. But anyway, mm-hmm. that kind of thing that gives me for five bucks a month uh, small games from Nintendo every month or so, or some of their partners... Yeah. I'm there immediately. Like I'm I'm please yeah. take my money now. 
So, <laughs> yeah, me too. If I can dial up, uh, you know, punch out an RC Pro Am and, and all that good stuff from, yeah. um, you know, the classic series uh, and not have to pay, you know, five bucks each game that I want to buy, um, yeah, that'd be, that'd be fantastic for sure. Mm-hmm. But the question is, can I back that up with online multiplayer and all the other areas where they've been lacking and lagging and everything else? Yeah. Um, that's, you know, they definitely need a lot of help in that regard. And hopefully they're learning their lessons, you know, from the, the lack of success of the Wii U compared to, compared to the other consoles in the market and certainly compared to the Wii that came before. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, the the most telling thing for me was that a traditional company, a traditional Kyoto company, which is as traditional as it gets, as conservative, as slow to Uh move as it gets, uh, the fact that they would just partner with someone else to create a a completely new service, and there was a financial exchange of, of interest from one company to the other. Uh, so they are tied financially as well. Um, the fact that they would go seek out someone that knows what they're doing was the most surprising thing. Um, that that right. they would that's, admit that's they didn't know. For them to do. Yeah. And that's not the sort of thing that you would expect, like you mentioned, a traditional company to do. You know, I also cover the automotive industry and I've yeah. watched as these big, big behemoth uh, car companies try to get smarter with their in-dash technology and they try to do infotainment systems that look and feel like a tablet. And universally, they're terrible because they're trying to take <laughs> their developers who've been working on integrated systems for, you know, 20, 30 years and try to get them to write software like Apple writes it. And it's just a huge, a huge transition and not something that a software developer can can do very quickly and very easily, can make that pivot. And so for Nintendo to realize that their developers and their internal expertise is not uh, in the same area that you need when it comes to mobile development, and to make this part Partnership, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And it also enables them to get out the door quickly, too, and to get something, you know, get something that the, the investors will be very happy about. As we've seen, their stock price jumped immediately, which is great. And they yeah. can get that news out there quickly. And then they can start to build on this partnership and get those games out there and get things moving in a very quick way and not have to make the sort of mistakes and missteps uh, that you would expect from a company like that. And, you know, it's entirely possible that maybe they have been working on this for a while now and they haven't been able to get it right. And they decided to finally say, you know mm-hmm. what, we're going to go and partner with somebody else. Uh, it's That's possible, too. But, but definitely, I think this is the way for them to do it to partner with somebody who knows what they're doing in this very very different development environment yeah well stock is up 27 percent since the announcement last time i looked that's crazy 52 week high i think which is uh you know that's that still is not as high as nintendo wants it to be (laughs) certainly not as high as it's been in the past but it's certainly uh, it's it's a nice uh, nice change of pace anyway for them yeah Looking forward to what comes next. And uh, as I was saying, Nintendo PS Plus with free games every month, I'm I'm there right now. Yep, me too. Me too, Sam, yep. <laughs> um, so the other thing that was surprising that happened last week towards the end of the week, actually, um, was the strange dealings at Konami uh, regarding Hideo Kojima. So for those who don't know, you're probably very few of you guys, Um Hideo Kojima is the guy behind the Metal Gear series. He's done other things, uh, some of them fairly well regarded, uh, but he is, since the Metal Gear series, uh, revered as one of the most uh, uh, biggest visionaries in video game, uh, in the Japanese video game industry. And he, 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 um, hmm. so I loved personal disclaimer i loved uh metal gear solid one on the playstation one it was a genius game like a once in a lifetime thing and metal gear solid 2 put me off so much from the series that i i sort of i've looked at the 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 next installments from afar but 
I think it's fair to say that most people have, a lot of people love them, and a lot of people think Kojima is kind of, he does what he wants, and he doesn't really care, he does what he likes, and he doesn't really care about the 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 players kind of i don't know if if that's a fair characterization but he has yeah i think so yeah yeah um he has in games in game movies that last like 20 minutes without you being able to touch like he he wants to do things a certain way and some people love that he's definitely an auteur video game uh designer uh, (laughs) so anyway what happened um was last week uh the name of kojima who works at kojima productions which is uh i believe a wholly owned subsidiary of konami of japan right Mm-hmm. Um, and he works there. He's the he's the big honcho at Kojima Productions, uh, and his name is basically on all of the marketing material surrounding Metal Gear Solid. Um, he is kind of the Sid Meier of Japan. He, it's almost as if the games are usually called uh, Hideo Kojima's Metal Gear Solid. Anyway, the the name mm-hmm. is everywhere on the posters, on the sites, on the Twitter accounts, everywhere. He, his name started disappearing uh, last week on, I, I believe it was a Friday, which is, honestly, I'll, I'll come back to that, but in the w- way that uh, the West Wing put it, it's the take out the trash day. When you want something to go somewhat unnoticed, when you don't want it to make mm-hmm. too much noise, you announce it or you do it on a Friday. And that's mm-hmm. what happened. It started, his name started disappearing without any explanation. Uh, the posters that had uh, Kojima Productions, they didn't have it anymore. The websites, the, the Twitter accounts were changing and all of that. And then we got a, a sort of leaks and insider information from Konami and from Kojima Productions uh, that Kojima was now a contractor and not an employee anymore. And uh, Kojima uh, was, and he was going to stop working with Konami at the end of the year once Metal Gear Solid 5 is released. Uh, He went on to say, I am 100% involved in completing Metal Gear Solid 5. We got the official word that they were indeed, uh, uh, he was indeed going to leave the company uh, and they are even hiring uh, uh, new people on the Metal Gear project. Uh, What happened? He's been there forever. I, yeah, I, it, it, I it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm definitely, I, I shared the opinion that you have in that I love the first Metal Gear Solid. It was so, you know, kind of interesting self-referential and very very different than any other game that I'd played before and I loved it but then it just sort of it felt like he fed on all of that kind of weirdness that made that game interesting and just dialed it up in each successive sequel more and more and more to the point where the franchise just completely went off the rails in my opinion where it was just so out there so crazy that nobody but Kojima could possibly follow the storylines that he was coming up <laughs> with in these series. And that, I think, turned off a, a lot of gamers. It's always been this this benchmark you know, franchise in terms of graphical presentation and gameplay and everything else. But if you weren't into the complete insanity of the, the storylines that were continually just trying to one-up each, with each successive sequel, uh, it got very easy to lose interest. And I definitely have lost interest in that franchise because of that reason. So, you know... 
I think that um, that that perception has become a little bit more accepted in terms of of gamers and in, in terms of the critics and everything else as well. And I think that people at uh, Konami have seen that as well, and they maybe asked him to dial it down a little bit, and maybe yeah. he didn't want to dial it down, and maybe that's part of the issue here. But uh, but you know maybe this could be a good thing for the franchise. That might be a bit of a controversial statement, but um, you know George Lucas stepping away from Star Wars. I think a lot of people are eager to see <laughs> what happens there. I'm a little bit eager to see what happens with with Metal Gear Solid without. Uh, without Kojima to be honest with you it's it's funny that comparison with uh, George Lucas it's it, I get you're right I didn't think of it but it, it I sort of get the same vibe um, it gets me mm-hmm. worried a little bit for for episode five because if if things were going super well and Konami was very happy with the work he was doing on on Metal Gear Solid 5 of course they wouldn't do this right so I'm wondering if it isn't going to be too crazy again. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm concerned about that too. I, I I don't know what to expect. I mean, we've certainly seen a lot of footage of the game, but you never really know what it's going to be like to play until you know t- until the game is out, until you sit through that first interminable yeah. cutscene that sets everything <laughs> up, and you're like, I just want to play the game. Stop talking about uh, Fox die and everything else. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll have to see what the game is like. I'm guessing it'll be very similar to the previous installments we've seen in the past yeah. couple of years. But maybe next time we'll see a more you know traditional stealth action sort of game with return to form with some new talents you know holding the reins Possibly. that um you know i mean i'm eager to see but um uh, someone on twitter anat kasim asked what happens now to the silent hills game which is an interesting yeah. thought i actually hadn't made that connection uh, because but I was he's very, working very on that yeah. forward to silent hills yeah and uh, if he steps away from Konami entirely. That's um, that's disconcerting because that game was looking. You know, the teaser that they released um, on the PS4 was was you know yeah. mind blowing. I had uh, to stop playing the the PT uh, the playable trailer. <laughs> yeah, PT, I had to right? stop playing. I couldn't yep. do it. Yeah, um, I, I did get through it, but that was that game was insane. So I'm I'm very curious to see what happens there, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely curious to see what the last you know the last in a lot of people's eyes uh, Metal Gear Solid will feel like, and what the next one is going to feel like too. Well, we had uh, Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes, which was kind of a two-hour demo, uh, sold mm-hmm. demo of Metal Gear Solid Five, and mm-hmm. that seemed to be on par with Four and the others. Um, it just, you know, it's not so much the the un- never-ending cutscenes that bother me. Uh, if they were, the thing was, Metal Gear Solid One has a very had a very cinematic quality to it, but for Every cutscene that cutscene that was interesting and sort of not just anime craziness with with you know giant guys with armors with tentacles and stuff, uh-huh. um, you had an an interesting in game um, uh, uh, in game cinematic experience where you were actually being active, um, right. and that's a very different kind of experience as a, because you could argue that uh uncharted for example has cutscenes all the time granted they're not you know as long um but it is uh, it the game stops sometimes and you just look at what happens and because the story is engaging and believable and and almost realistic mm-hmm. to to an extent it's it is successful it feels like in metal gear solid it, yes the cutscenes are super long actually too long i think no matter how you look at it some people love them but um it's also the fact that it's just not a great movie like experience if you want to do that you have to make damn sure (laughs) your 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 script and your actors and your everything is convincing um which is actually the quality that i enjoy in, in
Yeah, that's so that's surprising. And I think the most surprising thing was the way they announced it. But I think, well, announced or semi-announced it. But I think when you think of it in PR terms, um, they knew it was going to make a little bit of noise. And I think they the reason... So when you look at it, you're like, well, did they think they we weren't going to notice? What? Why? Why did they do it secretly, quote unquote? And I think from a PR standpoint, the reason you want to do that is, first of all, you do it on take out the trash day uh, because there mm-hmm. is little interest in the in the media in general for anything because literally people are going on the weekend. Um, so. That's one thing. And the other thing is, if you make an announcement, it becomes a much bigger deal that might get... Uh, so when you remove it secretly, um, the, the, the enthusiast press is going to report on it anyway. You, it's, that's not going to make a difference because everyone in the enthusiast press, this is a big deal. Everyone's going to talk about it. Right. However, if you make an announcement, I think it's such a big franchise and such a, a big company... Um, you might get even noise in in larger circles. Maybe not, you know, consumer media, but maybe tech media and that kind of thing might make take more of a notice and and geek blogs and stuff like that. Whereas if you're doing it and then you get questions from enthusiast media, from uh, you know, um, whatever Gamespot, IGN, uh, Polygon, then you answer to them and the the news sort of stays. Uh, contained on those outlets. Um, right. If you make an announcement, then all of a sudden a lot more people are interested and it's not great press. Yeah, it, it's more like a slow trickle as the news comes out, you know, and it doesn't hit anywhere near as hard with this sort of a, a release strategy. And also, you know, the bigger blogs, they, they might look back at that news, they might see that the progression of the story, and by the time everything is confirmed and when a bigger outlet feels like they can actually pick it up um, and, and run with it, the story has been around for so long that maybe they're actually not that interested in it anyway, so they may decide yeah. to skip it uh, to begin with. Um, so, you know, it's hard to hard to know exactly what, what the thinking was. It, it did feel feel like they thought that maybe people would not notice it uh, for a little while there, but certainly people did. But either way, yeah, I don't think that the news had anywhere near the um, you know the impact that it would have had had they issued a press release or done something more formal uh, like that. So I think that they managed to keep it as contained as they possibly could. And then, yeah, then now the big question is what happens next? Yeah. So basically, the, the takeaway from this thing is good job, uh, Konami uh, PR department, I think. You got as little press, which is not great press, uh, as little right. press as you could possibly have gotten with this transition. And now it's kind of already old news and people know, so it's not going to be explosive. It's well done. Well done, people. Um, <laughs> Bravo, indeed. <laughs> all right. A, a bunch of quick news. Um, some of them interesting. Some of them uh, just worthy of a quick mention. Um one thing I noticed was uh, that caught my eye. There was an article uh, that pointed to a video where I'm going to get his name, hopefully. Um, there's a guy who goes through the, um, oh, it's Mark Brown, uh, a video where a guy goes through the uh, level design in the latest Super Mario games, uh, specifically the uh, the 3D games, the specifically the Super Mario 3D World, which I've said it in many places, this is incredible game design. It's honestly the best work right. Nintendo has ever done. It's 
fantastic from a game design standpoint, from an artistic standpoint. I just love it. Even if it's not the best game ever played, from mm-hmm. a game design standpoint, it's really up there. Uh, and the video is called uh, Super Mario's Four-Step Level Design. It's really interesting to to look at this and to see how they make they introduce crazy mechanics in each level they make something original and different and still when you're going through it it feels like uh, you're never taken aback you're never um, if the difficulty is in there somewhere it's not because the game is being punishing it's because you are not achieving what you know you should be achieving in that level design so Go take a look at that video. Again, it's called uh, Super Mario's Four-Step Level Design. It's really interesting. I, I highly recommend you go take a look. Yeah, I absolutely love this video. I thought it was um, absolutely fascinating. You, you kind of, it's so easy in Nintendo games to not appreciate the greatness and the, the thought that goes into the level design because they're so simple and so beautiful and so easy to play. But but yeah, this video really opens up your eyes to, to the, the thought that goes into these level designs. And yeah, a great video. I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, go do that. Um, two games uh, worthy of note launched in the past couple of weeks uh, Battlefield Hardline and City Skyline um, the first one I think was <laughs> regarded as disappointing by pretty much universally I'm sort of doing a summary compressed condensed uh, uh, press review here it's mm-hmm. <sighs> The solo is not great, and that's what I was looking forward to. Um, apparently, it's not great at all. It's not engaging, and the, the, the scenario, the story is not as cool as all of those uh, trailers made it out to be, because it looks really cool. In the trailers, apparently, yeah, that's the basic not idea at all. Idea was to take you know the Battlefield franchise and bring into the cops and robbers mechanic, yeah. which sounds like a lot of fun. And I, I was eager to to learn more about it when it was announced, but I've been following it too. And, and you know, the the main appeal for me when it comes to the Battlefield games is these big, expensive battles. You know, the huge levels, tanks yeah. and jets, and, and you know, sniping from miles away. And and that to me is what got me excited about the Battlefield franchise. And as I watched this series progress, it was very clear that they were taking all that and moving it into more of a well, it's more like a Call of Duty multiplayer feel where much more con- confined spaces with lots more twitchy gameplay. And, you know, it, it didn't really have the, the same sort of feel as the original Battlefield, which is fine, but uh, not really what I was interested in. But yeah, the, the reviews state that the uh, single player campaign is short and, and very, very cinematic, but in a very sort of constricting way and that you don't have yeah. a lot of control over the things. And, uh, and yeah, the multiplayer, unfortunately, doesn't doesn't appeal to me at all. And, well, even for those that it does appeal to, apparently it's not great either. That's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the irony of it. It's that there are a couple of new modes which no one is playing. Um, and the old <laughs> modes that you've been playing forever, everyone is sticking with those. So I, I was thinking, I was hesitating um, on Battlefield Hardline, and I think I'm going to skip it for now. Maybe, I don't even think. I'm, I've never been a fan of Battlefield. I think I'm going to... It's not for me... I don't think so. Unless, you know, we get a million responses saying, please play it. It's awesome. But um, Yeah, I'll be skipping it too, sadly. City Skyline is one that is interesting if you're a City Builder uh, fan. And if you were disappointed in SimCity 5 a few years ago, which was a a mess. Um, In the world of City Builders, um, Cities... uh, uh, I'm sorry... Uh, SimCity 4 was still the king. And that's a game that's been out for 12 years. 
Um, and apparently yeah. it was still the most played game. And now City Skyline is what... Uh, by everyone's account, I haven't heard, you know, it's the opposite of Battlefield. I haven't heard a single negative, uh, like universally negative opinion uh, on City Skyline. It, everyone is saying that they love the game. It's exactly, again, what SimCity 5 should have been. It's complex. It's mind-blowing in the way it uh, simulates the virtual Uh, uh, environment and the virtual people that all have individual paths and and uh, uh, lives and you know all, all of that is taken into account in this game which is comes in stark contrast to SimCity 5 that was supposedly uh, online because of that because they needed the computational power of the cloud to calculate all this I don't think in you know two years things have changed so much that it's now possible on a PC um, and the um, the traffic simulation is apparently there are a couple of bugs in uh, in AI but by and large the traffic is also wonderful in in the game and it's fully moddable so it's going to extend uh forever and i'm not done not only do you get this and this and this and for only less than 30 dollars i think it's 30 bucks in in the u.s as well it's thir less than 30 dollars yeah. in in eu too um, 30 bucks in the u.s and i guess 23 uh 23 pounds on steam so yeah, yeah quite affordable it, it looks fantastic I, i sadly don't really have the time to play games such as these that's uh, my i would find myself too. playing them for hours and hours and hours and i have lots of other stuff going on unfortunately but yeah it, the videos i've seen the, the reviews i've read um it looks 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 really really good you know that's the kind of game that i'm not usually into at all uh you know i've played uh, sim city a little bit when it first came out and i had You know, I would throw in Godzilla in there at some point, and that would be fun. <laughs> of course. Of course. And the tornadoes um, and everything else. But people have been so positive about this one. I'm wondering if I... I, I I'm, it's definitely on the top of my wish list now on Steam. I'm wondering if I'm not going to uh, get it. Maybe when I'm, you know, when it's uh, on sale at some point in the near future. Or maybe, you know, 30 bucks. What the hell? It's, it's a cheap game for as games go, so... We'll see, but uh, it's it's definitely an interesting one. Um, a couple of games that are ramping up uh, for release. Uh, first of all, I guess we can talk about Bloodborne, which is, again, in the camp of Battlefield. I was sort of looking forward to it, curiously um, looking at it. And as hype has been rank, uh, ramping up, I've realized I, I'm not convinced by this game. I don't know. I want... To want it but i don't it's it feels a little bit silly it i don't i'm not seeing it it's, re, it's releasing tomorrow as we're taping this possibly when you're listening it's already out uh, i know it has a lot of fans in the you know the franchise the souls series is very popular in some circles are are, are you gonna get it I'm going to wait and see what the reviews are like. Uh, their character design doesn't really speak to me. Uh, I think that's part of the problem. When it comes to an RPG, you know, I really feel like I need to, to to be in love with the world and be in love with the characters and be in love with everything else. And it doesn't quite... You know, it doesn't quite speak to me in that level, uh, but it, it does look interesting. And, and you know, I've not been a huge fan of the Dark Souls games, which is probably another reason that I'm not uh, not hugely excited for this one. But um, I mean, the mechanics sound interesting, so I'm curious. But no, I won't be buying it for stuff. But I will read some reviews, and maybe I'll jump in a little later. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, that's definitely what I'm going to do as well. It's But even if I do jump in in the end, it's going to be, I think, very cautiously. We'll see. Um, <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Now, that's kind of the same effect as City Skyline. Um, I'm, I'm very nostalgic of Mortal Kombat back in the day, even though I was, you know, Street Fighter person. Um, mm-hmm. But there are a couple of things that are really cool. First of all, the DLCs include uh, <laughs> serial killers from movies like, well, the two, not really, it's action bad guys. Uh, yeah. Jason Voorhees uh, from Friday the 13th. And uh, Predator has also been um, announced in the DLC. Um, that's just cool as a um, as by itself. I'm not sure I'll pay for the DLC. It releases April 14th, by the way, so we still have a little uh, a little while. Um, and but the the single player experience looks really cool. Um, it's not just a series of fights. You have a lot of uh, in game cinematics with funny um, quick time events that lead to the fights. And yes, it's silly, it's campy, it's Mortal Kombat. But um, I think they've been doing, again, you know, when you're talking about top level comms department, uh, communications mm-hmm. department, Mortal Kombat, they've mm-hmm. had, they've occupied the news cycle every week for the past three months they've had a piece of news a piece of video a piece of something and it's impossible to ignore when honestly mortal Kombat, it's a big franchise but it's not the biggest game ever um so and i'm i'm intrigued it seems like the the uh, single player experience is going to finish end up convincing me um and i didn't expect that yeah that's definitely one of those games that i played a lot as a kid you know it, it didn't have the most complicated mechanics compared to a street fighter or you know any of the other f- fighter franchises just had there, to but, remember uh, the button orders to press right but of course it was always visually stunning having the d- digitized graphics compared to the hand-drawn stuff of everybody else so you know it, it made a, a big impact back in the day and i was just looking through all the installments and sequels and everything else and you know this is a game that's had regular updates just about every year since you know back in the early 90s when it came out so i'm amazed that it hasn't really been you know, it hasn't really outlasted its welcome, as it were. The, but it still gets buzz. It still gets me excited. Yeah. Um, curious to see what this new one's like. I think I think it did run out of steam in the mid two uh, thousands. But when they released mm-hmm. the ninth one uh, three years ago, I think it sort of it was almost a reboot, and uh, it's a successful reboot. Right. I think. Um, yeah, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been, been well received. God of War three. Remastered is coming to PlayStation 4. That's it. So it's kind of cool for people who didn't get a play a, a chance to play God of War 3 um, or, you know, the God of War franchises in, in general. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sort of I, I'm happy and sort of bummed out at the same time. I don't care that it's coming out. I mean, that's no worries. No problem. It's fine. It can come out. It's just more games from the previous generation. I mean, we're what a year and a half into the generation the, the new generation now i'm ready to see some some games that are dedicated but 
Yeah, huh. yeah, for sure. It'd be nice to see some more interesting titles. I mean, we we did um, just discuss about Bloodborne, which is good, but um, you know, I, I do think this is a good opportunity for them to to make a little bit of money and to get some more f- fans into the franchise yeah. p- potentially before we see an original release. Maybe we'll see something announced at E three this year. Yeah, um, but you know, it's always good when they throw in all the DLC and all the uh, extra bonus materials and make it into one ultimate edition. And they've promised thousands of dynamic lights, which makes me wonder if you're taking Kratos <laughs> to a rave in this one. That sounds like that might be a few too many, but we'll find out. <laughs> that that would be interesting. Kratos in a rave. Um, well, talking about announcements uh, at E3, they'd better have some because Uncharted 4 has been delayed to spring 2016. It was supposed to come out at the end of the year. Now, yes, please take as long as you need to make that game awesome because... First of all, it's better. And second of all, you really have to. You can't mess it up. But that leaves the end of the year completely empty for big titles for for Sony. Obviously, we have No Man's Sky, which a lot of people are expecting a lot of. Um, But they need more, right? They have to announce stuff at A3. Yeah, that's true. I actually didn't think of it that way. I'm always excited when I see somebody moving a game out of the holiday season because it's always <laughs> such a ridiculously, insanely packed uh, series. And, you know, there's no way that anybody can possibly keep up with all these games. So I wind up just that's making a list and picking them up in the spring anyway. So that the game gets pushed back to the spring. To me, that's not the end of the world. But you're right, that does leave Sony in a bit of a difficult situation. I mean, I think everyone agrees it'll make for a better game and better content and all that good stuff. But uh, but yeah, that doesn't make Sony's uh, life this holiday season a little bit more complicated. Hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm really expecting, uh, they sort of said we will have stuff uh, for the end of the year. Don't worry, we will have stuff. And I'm sort of hoping that by, you know, by E3, we're going to, I'm, all eyes are going to be on, on Sony at E3 because yeah. they have to yeah. have something. Um uh, not that they're doing poorly. They're, they're you know, leaps and uh, uh, bounds uh, uh, ahead of, uh, that's not even a, an expression, uh, ahead of uh, Microsoft. <laughs> um, but they have a bunch of cool stuff coming up uh, on uh, at at Christmas uh, at for the holiday period on the Microsoft side. Um, I believe uh, Halo 5 is still uh, scheduled for the end of the year. Uh, they have the exclusive Tomb Raider. They have a few things you know you don't need 15 titles but if you have two or three it can get people to uh go your way on during the very busy holiday period so e3 sony is likely i don't think they you know i don't think they would have delayed uh uncharted 4 if they didn't have something else up the, their sleeve so we'll see uh it should be good e3 as ever yeah a uh, bunch of quick news. Uh, Titanfall sequel is in development and it will be multi-platform. I really like Titanfall. Uh, and as everyone else, I played it for two weeks. And uh, <laughs> But, you know, it wasn't... It was about a week awesome. longer than I made it, to be honest. Really? But, you know, there there was so much cleverness into this game. I think it's the kind of game that was... It's the kind of game that can get an awesome sequel. Um, I really hope they get a single-player experience in there. But for those who don't remember, Titanfall was that game. It was an FPS where you would alternate between uh, a soldier shooting people regularly and you could could call down a giant robot in which you would get into and um, kill uh, everyone else with enormous uh, missiles and weaponry. And that alternating was fantastic i think um it would make it so oh go ahead tim 
Uh, it was definitely interesting and fun, uh, and, and it was amazing how well balanced it was between you know being the solo guy running around and, and not getting stepped on, and you know jumping into your giant mech and, sh- and shooting rockets off. Um, but to me, it just felt very. It, it felt like I wanted to get in my mech and jump over the wall and run around in a field and you know, get into more <laughs> mech warrior style battles and not be so mm. constrained to be in this tiny little area running down tiny little alleyways where I was you know boxed in and getting shot at in the back by guys with rocket launchers. I hope that in the next game they open things up a little bit more. Um, you know, but again, that's me liking Battlefield over Call of Duty. Maybe that's for that reason. That was one of the reasons Possibly, anyway that I, yeah. I kind of lost interest in the game was because uh, it just felt a little bit too too constrained, too constricted for me. Well, you're you're definitely not the only one. Uh, I mean, by the end of the of the well, within a few months, uh, when they added a mode where you wouldn't have mechs, it, the the mode where where it was just soldiers were the most played modes on in the game, which is. It does mean that it didn't quite work out the way they were hoping for. Um, but I think, again, talking about game design, that that cycle between the mech, uh, you know, the Titan, and mm-hmm. uh, the, the regular soldier you would be playing meant that you would not feel as bad as, um, as you do in Call of Duty. Because when you die in Call of Duty, you're, you know, you're done and you have to restart your your uh character you respawn somewhere and you feel bad because you you just lost a point for your team or you haven't achieved what you've Mm -hmm. done what you wanted to do in titanfall when you got blown off your mech yes you lost something and you technically your mech died but you were still alive and you're continuing your your run your streak uh, that felt really well. It was like you were taken down, but you weren't completely down. And the um, the, the the end of matches, I thought, was brilliant. A brilliant thing where, you, do you remember, you would win or yeah, lose yeah, the match if you lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you would... Um, you would have to run to the extraction and possibly you were in your mech, maybe not, maybe you had to jump around everywhere and catch that ship that was flying off. And if you managed to to get in as it was flying off and defend it so that it wouldn't explode, it felt great, but you had just lost, lost the match. Um, <laughs> but it, you were still feeling awesome. So, Yeah, that, that was always a very intense uh, phase of the, the mission phase of the gameplay. And- I think anytime that you can add that kind of intensity and really funnel everybody into a single point of the map definitely makes things interesting. And so that was definitely a great innovation and a great piece of gameplay. Um, but yeah, overall, I just didn't find the game to be deep enough to really capture my interest. And yeah. that's why I lost interest pretty quickly. But I'm definitely curious to see what the uh, the sequel's like because definitely there were a lot of interesting mechanics that they introduced to the to the game. Yeah. I think the that thing was the fact that it managed to make me who is not an fps hardcore uh, feel good about losing and that was the you know it's kind of the same in hearthstone uh yes it sucks when you lose but you have each round of the game is sort of a mini problem that you have to solve and if you manage to play a good round and to get across the difficulty that you had in this in this specific round it feels like a mini victory and those Mini victory make the ultimate loss feel better, and I think that's an interesting uh, design concept. And uh, I, I would love to see it in more super hardcore games that you know would make me feel less bad when I get destroyed. So <laughs> uh, maybe the um, lead designer from uh, Call of Duty that left when the other people uh, from Infinity Ward were well 
<laughs> they left as well. Suing okay, so, and yeah. entering litigation and being exactly. very angry and all that good stuff. Yeah. So basically, Infinity Ward, Infinity Ward is the traditional developer of Call of Duty and the team that was behind it at the beginning and when Modern Warfare reinvented the uh, uh, military FPS genre. Uh, they left a few years ago in very bad terms with Activision um, and they went to form Respawn Art Entertainment, which developed Titanfall. So... It all fits together. Um, and one of the lead designers is now that left at that point is now returning. He went through different companies and he's returning to Infinity Ward. Um, and so maybe that is going to make the games a little bit better because I have to say they've lost it for me as well. I loved a few of the, you know, Modern Warfare 1, 2. They were great, mm -hmm. a few more, but recently not so much, so... Yeah, I've I've lost interest in the franchise too, and he's coming back as I think multiplayer designer was his title or something like that, which is interesting. It makes me wonder, you know, if, if he'll be adding new gameplay modes or just kind of refining the uh, the, the gameplay itself and, and adding some variety there. To me, it, it's become very formulaic. Even advanced warfare, I couldn't really get mm -hmm. into. It just felt like, you know, the, the weapons were cooler, and I was jumping around in a jetpack, which is interesting. But uh, <laughs> but beyond that, it very much felt like more. The same, and, and I think that all these these shooter games are falling into that 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 trope where they've got the almost annual updates now, and it's very difficult to add any any sort of innovation. Uh, and so, you know, again, full credit to Titanfall for doing something different, and, and maybe his return can can help uh, give them a kick in the right direction. Yeah. Um, another piece of uh, dating news, not. No, that's not the right phrasing. Um, <laughs> Starcraft Two, romantic news, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it is my former employer, so uh, there is a little bit of romance there. Um, <laughs> Starcraft Two, uh, Legacy of the Void, the next expansion for the game, is going to start its beta on March twenty thirty uh, first. So, if you're into that, it's a week away. And uh, you can, well, hopefully you'll get a key, um, but uh, you can start uh, playing fairly soon. I'm not so much of a StarCraft guy. I prefer the slow pace of Hearthstone, where that gives me time to think, as opposed to being destroyed by, you know, 16-year-olds that have lightning reflexes. But, um, right, and the Zerg rushes. Uh yeah. Um, and by the way, they're, they're uh, apparently making sure that StarCraft is the rhythm uh, the pace of the game is really accelerated. Um, if you're into RTS games, you'll understand what this means. Um, they're going to have more collectors at the beginning and less resources at the initial bases. So the pace of the game is going to accelerate significantly. Um, they don't want the game, um, from what I understand from these design choices, they want, don't want the games to last as long as they have in the past. And that's a major change in the uh, competitive scene. So we'll see how it works out. Yeah, I was um, very interested to read that. I think that's a, a good change. I think that'll help um, even for newbie gamers. I think it'll make the game a lot more inter interesting to get into. Yeah, or at least, you know, if you get destroyed, it happens more quickly and uh, you don't have to exactly. suffer through a lengthy defeat. Less of an investment to your pain. A um, couple additional news. Um, Steam is now requiring users to disclose paid endorsements, especially in the curation portion of, of Steam where you can... Uh, you can, you know, create a page where you recommend games and uh, do things like that, and you can follow people and see what game they recommend, what games they recommend, and stuff like that. Um, it's sort of surprising it wasn't the case already, but anyway, now um, every person that makes a recommendation uh, or 
any person that gets any form of endorsement, meaning they get a free game, they or mm-hmm. they get some money, anything, or you know some goodies um, for from a company that sends them the game or whatever, they have to disclose it. And I think that's that's really good, and that's a change that we need in the video game industry in general. Um, I think. With these, with influencers in general, that's something I've been talking about for a while, but it's sometimes a little bit difficult to understand, for for viewers, to understand where the interest in a game comes from. And for some of them, I I think especially in France, maybe not so much in in other countries, but um, you you don't actually know that they're being sometimes even paid to create a video. And... Their argument is that they're, you know, entertainers and not journalists and blah, blah, blah. I think it doesn't matter. I think ultimately it's not even a big deal if you're being paid to do, you know, just put a logo at the end uh, in cooperation with whatever or do something. But give a hint that you're in a business relationship with the developer or the publisher of the game you're reviewing. That seems like a, a minimum to do. Yeah, it's definitely something that everyone should be doing. And here in the U.S., it's actually the law that the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, has said that if you are an influencer, if you're a blogger, you know, of whatever caliber, of whatever medium, um, if you're receiving products for free, if you're being paid to to give some sort of an endorsement for a product, that you need to state that at some point during the course of your video or your blog post or whatever. Uh, oh, so and, it's and the case for YouTubers as well. Absolutely, yeah. So according to the FTC, now, you know, policing that is, of course, a very different thing. So there are a lot of people who simply ignore it and, and there's no, you know, unless someone complains against them and and, that, and there's some issue there, uh, it's not like they're going to get caught or fined or anything like that. But it is officially the, the law. It's the way that you need to do it. If you are receiving these products, you need to be upfront about that. So so this, if anything, is Steam making that a little bit more official as part of their policy, but internationally as well, I think I think it's a good thing. And uh, yeah, I wish I wish everyone would do it regardless of of their medium yeah i agree completely agree and i'm surprised to to hear that it also applies to uh any kind of influencer basically that's uh that's very cool to hear i wish europe was more like this maybe you know most countries are i don't think the thing is a lot of people are hiding behind the fact that they're quote-unquote you know entertainers and not not journalists and that this only applies to journalists or even bloggers in there anyway it's a it's a big mess and i hope it gets worked out um last thing um i i when i come across those i like to point them out um it's weird games that surprise me in a way and this one is called clang um it comes from it. It was uh, mentioned. It was showcased at uh, South by Southwest, and <laughs> it takes something that's called cyber goth culture, according to to the article by Polygon. Uh, cyber goth culture, which is which is a thing apparently. It's not just goth. It's cyber goth, um, and it's it it turns it into a multitasking rhythm game. Basically, it's a kind of a platforming rhythm game. Um, somewhat a little bit similar to the Crypt of the Necrodancer game. If, you, if you've if you seen that, it, it came out, I think, uh, six months or a year ago, maybe six months. Um, but this one looks kind of crazy. And um, the, the way you move and the way you orient your 
tools to your laser things to defeat the enemies and absorb the, all of that in rhythm it's kind of crazy but it it makes me want to play it it looks I don't pretty know if awesome had a chance to yeah yeah i watched the video and this seems like a perfect playstation vita game for me and i would love to have this um to play you know while i'm in coach class seat or something like that it looks like a lot of fun anyway they said that it's coming to um mac linux and steam hopefully this year uh and they're hoping console release so hopefully it'll come to the vita too yeah it looks great yeah so look it up it's called clang k-l-a-n-g and uh maybe you'll uh you'll enjoy it as well all right i think i think that's it there anything else you wanted to talk about no i think that's a pretty <clears throat> pretty comprehensive look at back at the, the weekend news for sure a lot of a lot of big stuff happening for sure and it's um you know it's still early in the year but uh, shaping up to be a good year for gaming yeah yeah looking forward to what's coming next um well thank you very much tim uh that was a uh, uh, great fun as usual uh before we part ways can you please tell the lovely people listening where they can find more of you uh on the internet or, you know, whatever, uh, <clears throat> if you want them to find you in New York as well. That's good. <laughs> no, no, the Internet's probably a good place to find me. Uh, okay. I am Tim underscore Stevens on Twitter. Uh, and, of course, you can find my works at, at CNET.com. And as always, Patrick, it was a great pleasure. And thank you very much uh, for having me on to talk about one of my favorite things, which, which is gaming. Excellent. Uh, thank you for being on, Tim. We'll, we'll do it again at some point. Um, in my, uh, for me, you can find my Twitter account at NotPatrick. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook as NotPatrick. I've been doing a little bit of uh, Snapchatting recently, uh, and I'm Patrick Beja there. I don't know how interesting Snapchat is, but I'm trying it out. Um, I and <clears throat> I've been trying it out as well. I'll, I'll add you. I'm Tim, Tim Stevens on Snapchat, so uh, okay, I'm, cool. I'm there too. I'm, I'm going to add you right now. Um, Beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird beast, Snapchat. It is. I'm still, it's very strange. I'll get my head around it. Yeah. It's kind of... I don't know. It's... Um, it, it's uh, what I was saying on... on uh, Tom Merritt's show, Daily Tech News Show, is that it's almost like TV. You turn it on, you watch what's been happening with your friends, and uh, and then you turn it off. And there's no response, there's no um, uh, reacting, there's no liking, there's no, there's nothing. It's just you watch what they've been doing, and you can watch it in sequence the, for the past 24 hours, what they've done. It's interesting. It's weird and strange and interesting. Anyway, yeah, it's I think the, the lack of feedback that for me is taking a little bit of, of getting used to, you know, I feel like I'm mm. throwing good stuff in the void and with no positive or negative yeah. feedback. I don't know whether anybody's enjoying it or not. Yeah. So that's my challenge right now. I'm trying to get over. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Tim Stevens and Patrick Beja on Snapchat as well. And you can find uh, the Phileas Club as well as uh, Pixels, of course, on uh, Frenchspin.com, which is the blog that hosts both of uh, these shows. I'm going to have a new Phileas Club by the end of the week on Saturday. We're recording with Turkey and Scott Johnson. I hope you uh, listen to that show. It's an uh, international news show, but it's also fun. It's cool. Just, you know, listen, listen to it. You'll check it out. You'll enjoy it. Um, and that's about it, I think. Uh, please comment, comment on the show if you have uh, things to say. And uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks for the next Pixels. Thanks very much. See you soon. Bye.